Hi, I'm Holly Cairns, a TD for Cork Southwest, and this is my podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Chamber. I'm here with Claire and Richard and Hey Hey, and we're going to go through some of the questions that have come in on Instagram. Great, so here's a question, and it is, are the government able to let votes pass and then not act? Can they let it roll to the next all indefinitely? Yes. This is a quick answer. Uh, they do that all the time. Initially, after the election, they would vote against opposition proposals and it proved so unpopular, particularly around the student, midwife and nurses' pay. I think that's when they initially changed their tack and then they put in an amendment and then we'd vote on the government amendment so we wouldn't get a chance to vote on the opposition motion or bill. And now they've just started just letting them pass but not doing anything about it, which is really confusing if you're not there. Like I remember when we had our cost of disability motion and my mum messaging me from here because she was watching it live and everything and she was like, oh my God, it's passed! And trying to explain to her that that didn't mean they would actually do anything about it. She was horrified. (laughs) So that's a good, like, so initially, say if we take the student midwife's pay, that was during the pandemic, wasn't it? Yeah. So, or student nurses. So changing the wording... Yeah, they put forward an amendment to the motion Which or bill. Which is when they would basically delete yes. almost everything? Yeah, most bills are, are... Say a motion would start with the dole recognises that, this, this and this, and therefore the dole will this, this and this. So the government would always put in an amendment to say, delete everything after dole, and then we'd vote on that. They'd just put in And they'd win the vote then. That we support, we recognise the work of... Something to that nurses. effect, yeah. Okay, and so that's a harder thing for the media. They can't say that they voted against it outright, but they... They didn't like... People would put up a picture of the screen at the convention centre and be like, the government just voted against paying student midwives and nurses. Mm. And the backlash they got from that... I remember okay. us trying to explain on social media when it was the... the extend vote, the commission. Yeah, but voting yes to something is actually... Vote, voting no to something is actually voting yes. Because it's why. the government amendment... Is there any way we can explain this really simply? Using one of your analogies. Or using, <laughs> using an exa- example. Yeah, I've always got a good analogy. <laughs> so say we have to vote for something very straightforward. Okay, we're voting. We're going to have burgers for dinner tonight. And then the government would come in and say, delete everything after... We. We. And change it to... We, we acknowledge burgers are good. We acknowledge burgers are good. And then... The government parties would all vote yes to that. Yeah. And the opposition would... Vote against it. Vote no. And then what happens to the original motion? That's not It's gone because we voted on that one as amended. Okay. Yeah, it's so So they did confusing. that for a while, but then people kind of got wise to it. Yes. With the pictures and it, or people still were doing the pictures. I guess people, opposition people, went to social media and started explaining, okay, it looks like the government... Are voting against burgers for dinner. Yeah. Or it looks like they're supporting burgers, but if you actually look at it, they didn't. Yes, they didn't. Okay. And then that was getting them bad press. So then they changed to just... Letting it pass. And and then I suppose the thing about it is like, what is the point of the doll? Do you know if the opposition bring forward a motion so we had the cost of disability payment? It is agreed by the entire doll and then nothing happens. Well, then what is the point of it? Yeah. But from their perspective, aren't they saying that these motions are meaningless anyway? I 
guess. In, in effect, yeah, but they don't get the bad press. Okay. So what you'd also find, I suppose, like the, uh, Holly's Social Democrats' most recent um, cost of disability allowance one is an interesting case because it had a number of very clear asks around the budget. Yeah. So, uh, €20 euro ad- additional payment for, say, anything like carers allowance, disability allowance, domiciliary care allowance, but then also um, a cost. Oh, yeah, and an increase to the social welfare payment for disability. 15 for the social welfare, core social welfare rates, and then an extra 20 euro for... And that's a week. Yeah, recognising the cost of disability. So that passes on a Wednesday because, again, they can't vote against that. Because it would be... You can't... Like, it would be optically ridiculous to vote against that. But they're not in any way agreeing with it either. So, and then what they do on the day then is because... Um, how they put it together with disability groups we had people up in the gallery everyone thinks it's a win a nice coincidence for us was the following week Holly has oral questions with Heather Humphreys Ministry for Social Protection who will be in charge of putting this up and puts the question to the Minister whether they're going to follow through with what yep. they passed yeah and she just well she the usual avoided the question talked about the cost of disability report carried out by her department which we knew about which is why we had brought forward the motion um and when i pushed her to answer she she just said i won't be found wanting and kept saying i don't want to create a hierarchy and all this kind of stuff i don't want to create a hierarchical thing of who gets what for how basically she had a strange response actually she was like um I think the payments should be different based on how severe your disability is, but I don't want it to be hierarchical in terms of payments. Yeah. So she just kind of gave her opinion on something slightly different without answering it. Yeah. And then just said, I have never been found wanting in relation to supporting people with disabilities and I won't be now. And like, I kind of like clashed there a bit on the committee before the disability committee as well, because one of the things around the disability allowance is that when you apply for it. I can't remember the percentage of applications that are rejected, but of the ones that are reapplied for, something like over 50% of them are granted. So the system is kind of set up to make it really difficult to apply for the allowance and that you have to kind of go through like even more bureaucracy to finally get it. And it's not like an easy to read form. It's not that accessible. So a lot of people are probably just without it who need it because the system's so flawed. And instead of being like, oh, we need to look at that. It was like, how dare you? I've always prioritised this or whatever. It's never, you know, the way. Yeah, so it's, more, it's defen- personally defensive yeah. as yeah. opposed to... How so, do we make this better? So I suppose like that's a very clear example of, of emotion and just the way that they're treating it with, with, as a political football. Like they're, they're not willing to openly oppose it because it would look hor- horrible. But then okay. they, they, we had, like the clear, the clear ask was there was 20 euro increase for... Disability cost of allowance in the budget and 15 for a disability allowance. Two very clear things that they, they agreed to. And then the following week was clear that they didn't. So so how does that work? So are they yeah. physically voting to approve it or do they just wave it through? They, like how? Yeah, they wave it through now, you see. That's part of the thing. Right. So by so not opposing it, everyone's yeah. agreed to it. There's no vote. Wow, okay. And so in previous governments, were motions treated more seriously than that? Yes. Mm. Okay. I wasn't there to give any of the detail, but like people are talking about it like it's a new thing and it's outrageous. And even when I was texting mum about it that time, mm. when we were up in 
uh, Leinster House and I was saying it to Roisin and she was saying the same, like it just calls into question what is the point of the yeah. setup. There's just no accountability, like they can pass it and do nothing and nothing happens. But then they can't do that with when you put forward legislation. That's like a legal thing. They have to, if they approve it, well, it has to go into. They could probably pass it and not do anything with it. Not give dull time, not give committee time. Well, yeah, but that's what they do. So like we, in our previous podcast, we'll have talked about the legislative process. So if you're in opposition, you use your private member's time to progress legislation. Yeah. And that was one of the things you mentioned, Holly, there about like social democrats as something only getting it every six weeks or something has to make a choice is it a motion or is it helping progress one of your bills yeah but the problem then with the, the what they'll do is that they'll allow it pass second stage the discussion stage we talked about last week but then what they'll do is they'll defer it so they'll say that this bill is taken as read but won't be progressed for six months, months or, or yeah. something okay they did that with our sex education bill Oh, and it has idea. been six months since it was read and they still haven't done anything with it. So, it, again, they can do it with a bill as well as a motion. Yeah. And then what happens in terms of, part of the question that um, someone sent in was, can, can they let it roll on indefinitely? Like, what happens if the government falls before certain legislation is passed? Then you have to start from scratch again. In the next door? Yeah. It doesn't stay in the in-between stage that it was at. It goes back to square one every time. So that's like one of the things that keeps happening with, you know, the potential for um, drug policy for citizens' assembly on drugs, for all that kind of stuff. It's never a priority. And then every time uh, the doll collapses and new one's elected, it's back to square one. Okay. Um, next question. What would you change about how the doll is governed and why? That's probably one of the things that if they pass a motion, then it should be honoured. I think that needs to change. Um, be ideal if we've spoken before about how it's just impossible to get an answer to a question. So if maybe there was a more active chair and that's not a criticism of the chair. That's the role of the chair in Leinster House. It's the, the way it's been. Um, but I think it would be great if that was changed and it was kind of like look answer the question instead of me being like please answer the question so at the moment what is the chair doing he's just kind of keeping time or he's keeping time and then also if there was like any sort of defaming going on in the door or whatever you call you out make sure that nobody's being wrongfully accused of anything there's those kind of standing orders I suppose that he keeps an eye on everything Um, but he won't intervene if a minister isn't answering a question not on that no Sometimes I've seen him intervene if it's like he thinks that you're unnecessarily slating the individual rather than what they're saying. Okay. Yeah. Which is probably good practice. Yeah. To, you know. Um, and third thing, what do you think, Richard? I think we do. Like I suppose it comes back to the family friendly part of it, isn't it? Yeah. There's so few, yeah, kind of female representatives even minority groups, disabled yeah. people, all of that stuff. It's not accessible. It's not family friendly. And there's loads of different opinions on how that can be addressed. As in the fact that the door sits till one in the morning sometimes, all that stuff has to change. But how? Do we do less stuff in there? Do we spread it out over the week? That doesn't suit rural people. 
you know, it's quite complicated. But one of the obvious things that could be done is, and this, the kind of ridiculousness of this rule was really highlighted during the pandemic, but you have to be on the precincts of Leinster House to participate in anything. Committees, dull speaking time, votes, all of those things. And that's enshrined in the constitution. So during COVID, when there was like supposed to be no unnecessary travel, if I wanted wanted to, if I had to attend a committee meeting, I had to drive to Leinster House to open my laptop and go onto Microsoft Teams. But I had to be on the grounds of Leinster House. Like that just doesn't make any practical sense to Mm -hmm. anybody. Mm -hmm. But we would have had to have a referendum to change the constitution in order to address that for the pandemic. But I think it just highlighted how restrictive it is and how kind of pointless it is. Um, so that's one of the things that should change. There's other suggestions around that, like um, in other parliaments, they might have it like a week of committees, a week of dull time, a week of constituency. And they do it like that. Mm-hmm. So you might be okay, yes, in Dublin yeah, for yeah. less weeks in a month. Yeah. And then you've got more time if you have young children, if you have other things yeah. you need to do. Um, but ultimately... The way that the dull has been established is for many of housewives, basically. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just, it needs to be kind of restructured in that sense to, to make it. I think we'd, it's not just about as well, like having, well, it is about that too, but having kind of equality of participation and everything. But I just think we'd have better policy decisions if there was a better balance. And presumably if it was the other way, if it was all women, we'd have shortcomings as well. We've never seen that. But I just think it would have a massive positive impact on the policy that comes out of Leinster House if there was better representation in there. So mm-hmm. that would probably be the third thing that comes to mind. Even remember just after the election, briefly, I was on the Dull Reform Committee. Keen's on that now because I went on to a different committee. You know, There's only so many you can be on. But that's where there's a kind of constant analysis of the standing orders and everything. And... For the brief time I was on it, I realised that there was no mention of woman in the standing orders. So it said chairman the whole way through and it said chairperson twice. Um, so just changed the standing orders to say look throughout or whatever. But even just down to things like that, like the kind of institution is so blind to the problems, if that makes sense, that even yeah. when they're right in front of them in plain English, people don't see it. Very good. And another question in is, could you please explain parliamentary questions to people? Richard, you might have a lot of time with parliamentary yeah, questions. Yes. Yeah. So a parliamentary question is one of the main tools that uh, a DD has um, for accountability and for accessing information. So what you'll find is an awful lot of times that you'd see that a, a, an article comes out in the newspaper and it's based around a parliamentary question. So um, what they do is that... Um, uh, every week we can put in parliamentary questions and Holly puts them in and you ask a question of a minister and that can be incredibly specific such as we ask often ask the minister for health for services in, in Cork South West so um, what is the minister doing to increase access to shropity services in Cork South West because there's a big need for public property I know services. all about it this week yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a very good question. And then other questions you can ask very broad questions that might you could ask it from all ministers or anything is like, what is your view or what measures are you taking to encourage active travel for members of your department, people who work in the department in the civil service? So they, they can cover that broad remit. But I suppose what then that does, it's a way of accountability because what has to happen is 
the minister has to come back with an answer within four days. Oh, wow, okay. And I suppose what we would find is no matter, that's the only tool that we have because we can write off to a minister. If you wrote off, like you email a minister's office around an issue, we, we never hear back as an opposition person. There's there's never a response. No, we're like, no. initially so naive and start, I'll ask the minister yeah, yeah. for a meeting. No. Never hear never back. Really. No. Or you can contact a state agency or things like that. You may get something back from them, won't get back from the HAC or something, but if you put in a parliamentary question, they have to get an answer back. Okay. So it's an incredibly powerful tool for that. And I suppose it's one of the ways we would mainly use it. Um, it's like things like accessing information around waiting lists. Mm. Like so for the children's disability network teams, you ask what is the waiting list under particular categories and you ask what is the staffing levels and that's the only way you can get that information for it. Okay. Yeah. And that's but the other thing just because sometimes parliamentary questions are covered in the media. The way we ask questions is sometimes it's it's difficult to explain to something, but because Holly asks a question, that doesn't necessarily mean it's her position. Yeah. We can be asking a question mm. to ascertain is it the government's position? Yeah. We could be asking a question because a constituent asked us. So unless something is blatantly um, wrong or is blatantly incendiary or anything like that, if a, if a constituent asked us, to want, they want to know this information for their business, for their personal life, for curiosity, we put those questions in because that is part of representing constituents. Yeah. So I think sometimes things can be picked up in the media as like, oh, this is your position when you're asking a question about something isn't necessarily your position yeah oh, you know like it might just be getting the, clarity might ask me like what is the um you know the government's position on increasing this tax band that doesn't mean we want the tax increase we want to know is are the government going to do that yes that's a you know yeah it can be misconstrued yeah and how what's the standards of the answers does it uh, depend on the department yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> it does uh, some of them are very good um, some of them are very poor. Um, there, there are particular departments that are very poor. Um, other ones are, like we mentioned this in terms of, last week, in terms of the oral questions. What you'll do is you'll ask. So you might ask um, for increasing staff in the National Parks and Wildlife Service. And three quarters of the answer will be telling you how great the National Parks and Wildlife Service is and how committed they are to it. And then the last sentence or two will only be the ones of are they actually increasing or not? Yeah. And even at that, it could be vague. So what really comes down to asking the question is that you're asking very specific things and you're looking for very particular information. Okay. You know. But when you get the written question back, do you still get the big spiel about how impressive the parks and recreation? It, it, it'll be shorter than the oral one, but you do, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like so, what, like, yeah, like generally, it's about ninety percent of the question is telling you what you already know, and you go down. It's reading the very last sentences where something might be useful or not. I see. They are a useful too. No, they're incredibly useful yeah. too, and it's one of the few ones we have. Yeah, it's nice to be opposition. able to follow up with an important issue with getting some answers and, you know. Yeah, and of course it's also then on the record, right? So it's harder, you know. Yeah. Very useful, that. Yeah. Great. Um, do we have any other questions? Um. Oh, sorry, one of the other things that I suppose sort of comes up and it's sort of sometimes used as headline fodder for this is... Uh, allowances oh yes about get paid so when we talk about fobbing in you relate that to your you need to fob in for the so many days that related to your travel and accommodation allowance yes um so yeah all tds get traveling expenses in ireland and that's based on how far you live from leinster house so once you go a certain distance 
it takes into consideration that you have to stay away from home for those nights mm-hmm. um, as well as travel that distance so there's basically just different bands when you I think it was on my first or second day up there you go into what is called the one-stop shop and you fill out forms you literally put into your sitting in Leicester House put into the map I did to Google Maps how far is home you put in that amount of kilometres and you get your allowance based on that that is quite simply how it works and then yeah and then there's also the constituency office one the public representation allowance yeah yeah and that's to kind of pay the rent and bills in your constituency office so a few weeks ago there was a headline um that said 47 tds claim the highest allowance which sounds like and included you and put your picture on it my picture a lot (laughs) your picture um but yeah when you look at the list of tds it's all the tds who are furthest geographically from the doll yeah so you're just all in the same band yeah it was like me the healy rays michael collins other td from here and like joe McHugh from donegal all the basically the really far away tds yeah but it's like it's one of those kind of headline grabby ones and it's also kind of insinuates that this is kind of a breaking news situation. This information is always completely publicly available. Yeah. Who lives how far away and therefore what band they're in is already there for everybody to see. Okay. It's just that kind of, I guess it's a clickbaity article and people are interested to know as well. But I suppose they kind of, the way that the, the article's written as well, it adds the constituency one and the travel one together as if that's the entire amount for travel, which it's not. No. Okay. The important thing was we're aware of it because there was because of the were, article yeah you were in an yeah. article but like it, it, it I'm not often in an article it, with it, all the Healy Rays it's true yeah. it's <laughs> uh, but it's not new information it's no. sensationalising information that's already out there yeah and it's just you know they do it with the rich list as well yeah it's the same thing yeah yeah which okay. I'm not top of that one yeah <laughs> like fourth poorest actually oh they do the TD's rich list yeah we as have in, to how much assets you have with yeah, it? Yeah, everyone has to declare it annually. It's, it was the first I heard that I'm the fourth poorest TD in the country, <laughs> despite my expenses. Well, it's all it's all the it's, it's all the first time young TDs who don't own anything, anything, yeah, cars. I was on the podcast with Una Malali and Andrea Horan. I remember one of the questions was, "What's the most expensive thing you've ever bought?" Like, obviously, it's normally like maybe your house or whatever. I was like, oh, and they were like, you can't say your car. I was like, what? Like, the sofa? Like, I don't, (laughs) yeah, it's those of us who have nothing (laughs) to show for anything. Laptop? Laptop, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I think we'll leave that there for now. Leave it there. Yeah. Um, So I suppose, look. Like, subscribe, share, and also send us on if you have any more questions. Like, I think we have gotten some questions in after you put it up on Insta Stories and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but if people think about questions in the meantime, like, I think we're sometimes trying to search for questions, but we're too involved in it, maybe. Yeah. I know. It's, the idea is to try and bring people inside the chamber, and I think we did it on Cork County Council. I was so fresh to the scene that it was actually quite easy, and now I'm always like, don't become institutionalised. I need to wrap myself up in a virtual something to prevent it yeah you forget what's kind of the kind of thing that you didn't know existed yeah yeah so send us questions please follow me on facebook instagram or twitter
Safety Net by Wright, taken from the YouTube audio library.